0: This is Climate Justice Y'all, a podcast dedicated to lifting up and centering the climate and environmental justice movement in the South. Despite the South being the most biodiverse, diverse and one of the largest economic engines in the world, we are underfunded and often barred for the decision-making table. Because of that, we decide to pull up a chair and amplify the stories of communities in the South hit the hardest by the climate crisis. We're using good old-fashioned storytelling to shine a spotlight on these Southern
1: leaders from all walks of life, putting in their blood, sweat, and tears to transform the region. The usage of y'all in the title is on purpose. We are honoring our Southern heritage of creativity, resilience, and ingenuity. All right, y'all, it is season two of Climate Justice Doll. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. I'm your host, Marisha Malcolm, and I'm joined by the fabulous Abigail Franks. Puerto Rico has already been seeing the devastating impacts of climate crisis for years, with a prime example being Hurricane Maria in 2017, followed by Hurricane Irma just a couple of weeks later. Since then, Puerto Ricans have been working on the ground to adapt against extreme weather and are even reimagining the roles of healers and medical personnel. We have a lot to learn from them. Today, we are bringing in climate activist and resiliency expert Nicole Teresa Ramos, who is fighting to make Puerto Rico resilient against the climate crisis.
0: Climate justice, y'all. It's real. It's here. And it's about time we listen to healers and activists like Nicole Teresa Ramos. All right, let's get started with the show. All right. Hola, y'all. Hola. It's Abigail and Marisha and Nicole and we are here to talk today about disaster resilience.
1: All right, if you will, Nicole, just go ahead introduce yourself, your
2: organization, and where you're located. Hey, y'all. Uh, hola, todos. And thank you again for having me. Um, I'm Nicole Teresa Ramos. Uh, they she pronouns. I am regional organizer organizer with Taproot Earth and Gulf South for a Green New Deal. I am located in Isabela, Puerto Rico, which is on the Northwest of our biggest island. Um, So yeah, that's that's me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that doesn't even begin to cover like all the amazing work that Nicole does. The more I learn about them, the more honored I am to share a space with them. So thank you so much for making time out of your busy schedule for us um to talk about disaster resilience and disaster recovery um because we have a lot to learn from Puerto Rico in general and well I say we uh the South but also United States in general like we got a lot to learn about what to do as disasters continue to not only become more severe but you know increase in the number of them per year we talked about previously with Michael Esaluca about how disasters there was like several multi-billion dollar disasters in 2021 and i'm not looking forward to 2022 so let's ground ourselves um and if it's okay with you um could you talk about hurricane maria what was it like how did it impact puerto rico because i feel like hurricane maria and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like that is kind of a major not a starting point because climate change has been happening for a while but definitely a it got everyone's attention when it comes to how unprepared we are for this but what was it like for you because you've lived in puerto rico all your life
2: yeah um definitely we are still healing about it we had two weeks before hurricane irma but hurricane irma just hit very badly the east side and, uh, and my, my, the job I had at that moment, I was in, uh, in the most tourist area in all San Juan. I used to work in uh, be manager and assistant in a store that makes bags in the only manufacturing co-op that we have in the country. So I was very proud and very happy to be there. The thing is that we closed with Hurricane Irma, which was two weeks before Hurricane Maria um so our you know money wise already i was in a big big hole the thing is that when we did not expect it at all uh hurricane maria and because it was so fast many of us didn't have the resources or the time to actually uh, get more groceries or and i was yeah and get groceries or prepare better because we let's say we use our money to prepare for hurricane irma and people like me we were out of job after it so it was really hard um to get groceries for hurricane enough groceries for hurricane maria and still even the ones we got they were not enough like they were not enough at all because yeah we did not expect the huge huge hurricane that maria hurricane maria became and it felt even though they said it entered our our area on September 19 and our 20th there's like debates even <laughs> but it felt like a three day hurricane because uh, it was more than 21 hours on top of us but then um, it just the aftermath you know that the biggest part left the country but then the the, the aftermath felt like a whole another day and we did we were not sure if we were safe to get outside because Communications, uh, electricity, grid, failed 100%. Like, no one, no one, no one had electricity. Uh, And communications just went off completely. And
0: uh, How long were y'all out of communications and stuff and out of power? Because that sounds really scary. And I mean, it seems like with y'all preparing for groceries and stuff, that hurricanes was something that y'all have dealt with in the past. And so this seems like a whole, it seems like a whole new beast. Yes. Uh, depending on what
2: area were you from, that's how long you were gonna, you were without electricity. Some of us, I was living in the city, but in a very, um, impoverished a uh, court. So, but, it's, but we got, we got electricity like four months later, which was a lock three months later, which was lucky. Uh, but in, in san juan in the capital city other areas of privileged people did got electricity quickly and people like my sisters and my moms that live outside of the metropolitan area they live in rural areas my sister she was one year without electricity so yeah so and and last I, there were there were people who reported even being two years without access to electricity so it was just insane and I'm um, it was just crazy around that. And, uh, and that's why so many people died. And so many people had health complications and health issues. And we're we still don't know the final number of how many people died because the government never either the state or federal government government never agreed to actually made a good research. There's only one re, there's there's one government government research that was very vague and they say that only 200 persons died, but then um, uh, another college, a university from the US, I just forgot the name, but I will get it to you. They they made a research by themselves and they found out the that, that our death toll is between 400, 400, 4,000, I'm sorry, four thousand, four thousand 4,000 persons till 10,000 persons. They don't, they were never even, they weren't even able to actually get a real number. That's just the, with, you know, statistics that they choose like the most probable number is between 4,000 and 5,000 persons that died after the hurricane. But even with that research that was made independently, the government said no. We're not doing an official research. We're not. We. we I mean, that
0: already happened. It doesn't matter. Okay, <laughs> so we what? actually don't know. <sighs> Hold, on. Yeah. Hold on, Nicole. I'm sorry. The government said that they wanted to just stop researching on the aftermaths because it already happened. Yes. What?
2: Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, and good. actually, we. The. The. This year. Um, I mean, 2022. 20, five years after. We finally. the government finally got the money from fema to fix public schools around hurricane maria and it's like five years later so yeah that's how it is
1: (laughs) so five years later does there feel like any normalcy like even just within your
2: life does it feel like there's any normalcy brought back yes but because i moved well I, i i have moved a lot from in my life like uh, I don't know how many times Um, like I say here I'm a daughter of displacement (laughs) because I have to I've been displaced so much Um, yeah because I don't I come from very poor family impoverished family the thing is that because I where I live right now um, it's a safe house it's a cement house so it I feel safer so it feels like some type of getting back to normal but streets are still very bad and electricity grid is still really bad and then it's been privatized it was sold to another company called luma l-u-m-a and uh and it's been worst since they have uh, been um, owners of the our electricity grid um so there's some type of you know we kind of more or less we we have some, it's more normal, you know, to be around and everyone, everyone is, you know, in back to their lives. But you will hear in, in any conversation you have with anyone, it, I mean, like for real, at one moment, someone is going to say before the hurricane, Maria... This and that and la la la. Or I remember Hurricane Maria when this or that happened to me. And then we all of a sudden we are talking again about Hurricane Maria. It's a constant conversation, even five years later, because again we're still trying to heal what we went through. Um, and uh, and yeah, we are. And people now when when storms um, are announced, I mean. People, including me, (laughs) we, uh, additionally, that we try to be a bit prepared. Now, um, we, we I mean, people just go um, hysteric, but like for real hysteria of the trauma of, of being really scared to go through hunger again or without gas or being unable to communicate. So you will see this, the supermarkets just flooded more than usual because usually they flood, you know, they get flooded with people. But after the hurricane, it's, it's just the first year, actually, after the hurricane, there was a storm announced and people were just going. I went to the supermarket to get water and it, it was gone. It was gone even before the, the storm was not even close to us, but we were so scared. Like, yeah, I understand why we reacted like that because the government left us alone to mm-hmm.
0: die. So it's on us, you know? Uh, exactly. That makes me think, I mean, obviously, the infrastructure... I Well, let me back up. I was going to say the infrastructure differences between Puerto Rico and Alabama. Um, obviously, there's a lot... Like, we have infrastructure here, but our infrastructure is so bad that we were also kind of left alone, like, after the tornadoes, hmm. where, like, 50-plus tornadoes hit Alabama in 2011, and ever since then... And, like, decimated Alabama. And ever since then whenever there's chances of storms, like, and Alabama's turning into the state that has the most frequent tornadoes in the country. And now every time there's a storm, our supermarkets also flood, right? And there's this kind of panic that seems to happen. And to me, I feel like that's why this is so important to have conversations about, like, obviously these storms are going to keep hitting us as climate change continues to be a thing. So how... You know, like how do we, how do we move forward from that, and, and instead be proactive, and um, instead of reactive. But anyway, we can go. Let's go back to Puerto Rico. I just wanted to throw that in there. That that's that's very similar. And my stomach dropped when you said that.
2: Yeah, I can. I I'm, I'm, I did not knew that. Um, and we have lots to learn, and regarding the Gulf South and what y'all been through. You know, um and uh, yeah definitely our stomachs just go <laughs> yeah I, I i would like one of my most personal stories about hurricane maria is that i was six days without, without knowing if my son was alive so and I, I i mean i guess still uh my eyes right now are full of tears like i still can, i won't speak more about it but that was something that i went through and it was horrible, it was obviously horrible because since we lost communications, but the thing is that we, ways we were proactive even on that circumstance, for example, my family and I, we chose a we chose a place because I was like, again, I was living in the capital city and they were living like one hour from me. So we just chose a middle area that it was in the highway where we knew it wasn't gonna get flooded. Maybe the way to the highway, but not the highway per se. So we said, okay, if on three days, we don't, uh, on the third day, we will try to get there at 4 p.m. I'm just making an example. I don't remember the exact time, but it was three days after that we, and we we went there, I went there for four days in a row, even though I, I did not saw them. And my mom actually arrived, but she arrived later than me because of flooding and all the hectic, and because we could not find gas. I mean, um, the gas crisis was very very bad so what people have what we have done is that um well many people now have like electric generators uh, like gas so it's a problem because uh, last time there was a blackout like six six months ago um just because of lack of maintenance to our electric grid um th- like all my neighbors had one of those electric generator i mean gas generators on it was like the smoke and the gas uh you know um and the noises but you know they have it because they need electricity i don't have one many people have moved who have the availability to actually finance solar panels they have done that um more there there have there is more mutual aid groups now that they were they did not existed before near me there's not one yet but there are like three or four or around the whole country which is very little because our mountain region and uh and our coast gets unaccessible because we are we are a land of water like the biggest island of, of puerto rico the biggest one it has so many rivers and aquifers and yeah the sea that and it's been there's been so much um building around these areas that also makes many, many areas uh, get flooded really quickly. Um, so it gets complicated to move around when these things happen. Um, so I feel like we have learned how to prepare a bit better, you know?
0: Yeah, first of all, I am so sorry you went through that traumatic experience of not knowing where your son is. I. I am giving you such a huge hug through the screen right now. And whenever I see you next, I'm giving you a big old hug. I'm so glad. And listeners, uh, the son's okay. He is actually going to school next week. So. (laughs) uh, Uh, He's he's fine. He was, yeah, he was fine. He's
2: fine. He's, he's 11 years uh, now. (laughs) He's big.
0: Thankfully, y'all. yeah, thankfully y'all are okay. And so, yeah, Marisha, you jump in.
1: Yeah, so honestly, um, Nicole, you kind of just led us into our next question. So what are some lessons um, and other disasters since then that uh, we can apply to both Puerto Rico and Southern states? Um, Yeah, I guess you could just start us there. And answer that.
0: You started talking, mm -hmm. sorry. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, you started talking briefly about how mutual aid things started forming and you started depending on each other for electricity. Yes. How has Puerto Rico adapted since Maria? If you could talk more about that.
2: Yeah, like I mentioned in some areas, uh, mutual aid groups that happened after the hurricane, they have stayed together and now they are more structured. And and they have, uh, for example, one that is in Caguas, that's very far away from my house, but they're amazing. And they have solar panels in their area. They have a a how and kawas is really big too it's a rural town but still there's a place where people can actually get go and if something happens and uh and being able to cook being able to eat being able to i don't know let's say breastfeeding persons can put their human The breast milk in the the fridges because they have solar panels, things that maybe we don't think about if we're not actually parents, but a lot of people also struggle with their shield, their babies' um, um, food. Uh, I don't know if you knew, but in 2020, uh, before the lockdown came everywhere of COVID-19, we had huge, huge earthquakes on the south and uh and uh it was just horrible i organized a group of doulas i'm a doula too um so i and the the all the sudden the women's in the south of our biggest island they were without access to their doctors so and midwives were going down but they were not enough because it was more than eight or nine towns and i'm, I'm saying a few Uh, more than eight or nine towns affected by it so what we did is is that i mean everyone who could move there were even traffic jams one day of so many people from other parts of our country trying to get there to get help to give help to people and um and it was just it was we we cried a lot when we saw that Uh, and then um i organized a bunch of doulas we we didn't even have good cars. <laughs> I'm laughing because it was so fun. It was like, why am I organizing this? I don't even know how I'm going to get there. But we found uh, who will take us. We found all the time. We found who will take us over there. And just trying to find pregnant women and see, and or postpartum persons, not women, uh, persons, and see how we could actually help them and uh, and what, what they needed. But the thing is that... Uh, w- Everyone was more ready to actually share help on on the earthquakes. Everyone who was not on the south, obviously, and uh, and you could see how our reaction was not even thinking about it, not even thinking if they actually need help or ah, that's that's far from me, that's not my problem. That would have happened before the hurricane Maria, actually. Like not every time, but it will have happened. People might have said, oh, that's too far from me. That's in the south. I'm not driving there. But on the earthquakes, it was like, no, we are everyone. Everyone who can is going to go down and is going to go and help and bring water or food or supplies or, or medicines or anything. And actually, in those same dates, a independent reporter found um How you call that containers like huge, huge containers full of supplies that were supposed to be given to the people after Maria and people. this went all through the news and people just arrived there and opened by themselves the the other containers. I can share this news with you. Uh, and just started taking things out to give it to the people who were affected by the earthquakes. Because again, we we found out that we were by ourselves. So now, people I think that have been more interested also in 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 learning or or learning about um, about uh, having your own garden, learning more about even natural uh, or alternative ways of heal healing like physical. Healing, um, and I remember after Maria that the the one of us who maybe people would have called us uh, I don't even know what they would have called us because we did knew about natural medicine or about gardening or about you know agroecology specifically and uh, or childbirth. All of a sudden, we were very needed because we had even though before people would look at us like uh, the, the 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 maybe the weird ones. Now they were like, oh wait, we need your we need every all of your knowledge because. The, the system is actually um, just left us alone. So what do we do? How do I grow uh, this or that food? So that's another shift that you have seen in the, at least I have seen in people. And I guess like emotionally, even though we are just uh, triggered quickly, constantly by many, many, many other things uh, that happen here because of colonialism and all of, all of that we've been through. Um, I think there's also more spaces, uh, cultural spaces, for people to get together and and healers going around the country uh, like doing acupuncture for free and um, and uh, just trying to uh, make spaces for people to just be there is not everywhere obviously um, but there are a bunch of groups and uh, and I think I always speak about Bomba as a Bomba musician um, we are also part of that like bringing bringing bomba music and drumming to different areas because it's also healing and people we know that people need healing that before hurricane maria when we some of us will speak about healing and people will be like what are you talking about (laughs) not everyone but more more people are open to it and more people um, are are trying to transform themselves emotionally it's not only about you know what do you have in material-wise, um, to survive these oncoming disasters that are gonna keep appearing, and as you as you all mentioned, are gonna get maybe worse because of climate change, is um, how we actually get together and just support each other, and because the, our governments have showed us uh, that they were not, they will respond to some privileged areas mostly, and then leave the rest of us all alone.
0: I got chills from thinking of the feminine power that has rise or risen (laughs) is rise grammatically correct I don't know risen (laughs) um and has started to really take root in Puerto Rico um you're right though when it comes down to it we need to heal and we need in order to face and deal with things we have to heal each other and i'm that makes my heart so happy that that's starting to really take hold and i thought i hope and think that our communities in um on the mainland can learn from that um so that kind of touches on to the next part i want to know what disaster resilience means to you and what does equitable recovery mean to you because it seems like you experience, you have experienced both. Well, not equitable. Re, y'all haven't, y'all haven't gotten the opportunity to have equitable, equitable recovery. But you definitely know what it means to be resilient against against disasters. And like, yeah. So, please enlighten us. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh,
2: and thank you again. Um, uh, as many other areas, as, as I have learned, like we don't like the word resilience because they have abused the word. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, sorry. no, no. Don't worry. Don't worry. Like we're and actually, I learned this in Katrina 13 in New in New Orleans. Actually, I was I learned it from them. We at that moment we 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 still didn't spoke too much about it. So I and I, I was invited um, to talk about how what happened to pregnant persons and postpartum persons after hurricane maria and they taught me that but the thing is that and it's not the word the problem is that how the powers not the powers of the people the other maybe government powers and they have used the God. word yeah to manipulate it and just let tell us and I'm, i mean this in the Gulf, whole gulf south not only in my country and tell us like yeah you're so resilient you can just keep a uh, uh taking more and more on 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 and just uh you know just be there and um i'm trying to translate here or something but i can't <laughs> the thing is that uh um well i mean to me it sounds re- it will be like disaster preparedness um which is our resilience um yes yeah again like i mentioned looks like getting ready earlier on the hurricane season um also uh yeah getting like again getting our supplies earlier many people have that not many some people who have had had access to solar panels and other type of electricity other ones just have the same generators i just mentioned and um and uh and more or less uh i guess that's yeah, that, like, that would be repetitive for myself, but um, that's more or less what you can actually see. Mm-hmm. What was the other question?
0: Yeah, so, well, it was like, what does, first I asked, what does resilience for you? And I have learned that we need to scrap that out. See, people can be resilient, but powerful, interests, such as governments or corporations, shouldn't be telling us that res- we're resilient. So we don't accidentally create excuses exactly. for exactly. their inaction. For them
2: to keep, yeah, to keep abusing and not actually reacting. Oh, you were talking about uh,
0: the recovery, yeah. equitable recovery. Yeah, what is that? Um, what, would, what would Puerto Rico look like if you equitably recovered? And like, what are some steps do you think Puerto Rico should take to recover?
2: Well, uh, <laughs> First of all, um, since we are under the board of control, we are under a board of control since 2016 under the the law called Promesa, uh, and definitely, definitely, there's there's cities in other states that have board of controls, and many people have. Whenever I have spoken about this on on the US, they have told me like, oh yeah, but Philadelphia has a border control or this other town has a border control. And I'm like, yes, but we are a whole country under a big, bad, aggressive and abusive colonialism. uh, So it's not the same for us. They actually are asphyxiating us. So the thing is that um, even though they're very similar, they're very similar. And yes, they have uh, asphyxiated these cities, too. It's not like I'm not I'm not trying to invisible. I mean, I'm not trying to make invisible what these cities have gone through. Like it's also an abuse. It's also very unfair. um, And it's just horrible, just horrible to pay debts uh, with the wellness of people who are usually black and brown people. So what they've done to us with the Board of Control is completely related to the equitable recovery. Since even if we get federal funds constantly for different things, um, our annual annual budgets are, um, are moved to pay the debt. It's that we have a huge debt as many as the U.S government has a huge debt actually <laughs> itself so um but we have as a country a huge huge debt and uh we have we've been asking for the past six years many of us many 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 people um have asked for the debt to be to be verified because we don't actually not know why it's so much money they have never ever wanted to give us uh, a you know a clear explanation and so they're just responding to the uh, uh, yeah to the corporations and the bond um, owners and they're just paying them so there can there cannot be a actually a an equitable recovery if if we have this dictatorship um, board of control on top of us because even if the senate and the house of representatives even if they decided to approve laws that will make our lives better or to fix the streets or things like that, they will say, no, we need those millions to pay the debt. And actually uh, two two or three days ago, they actually said that uh, (coughs) there was a, a approval of funds to fix the highways because they haven't been fixed since Maria and many bridges haven't been fixed and the board of control said no. We no. That money is going to pay. I don't know what part of the debt. Yeah, I, I, I see your hand.
0: Yeah, is the board of controls on like in the U.S. or is it in Puerto Rico? Because if it's in the U.S., we're gonna start rounding folks up to talk about this because this clearly needs to be dealt with. But if it's in Puerto Rico, I don't know how I can help, but I want to. Well, the board of control is. Uh, it's assigned.
2: By the president of the United States, um, the president in turn, you know, like the one whoever is on right now, uh, or or they can actually change it. They are actually in the U.S. Um, they are not. They have their offices here. They have offices, but uh, they only need to have two representatives that are actually Puerto Rican. And usually they're just Puerto Ricans who don't care about other Puerto Ricans. So it's not like they're. You know. But yeah, they would be like, "Well, we have two Puerto Ricans in our group," and we're like, "Yeah, very rich Puerto Ricans who don't care about other people. They don't. They don't really care." So it's like, that doesn't mean anything to us. So even though they have local offices, they are based over there. We have a since twenty sixteen, we've had um, a, a a court process with Judge Swain as the as our judge, as the judge of all of this. Actually, after Hurricane Maria, the governor we had, he was not a good, we even never had a good governor, but the governor we had, he asked her, like, hey, um, um, I'm having an emergency here. A hurricane just came and everything is destroyed. And there was a court hearing next day with the, with about the death and she said i don't care i'm going on i mean she i'm just paraphrasing obviously but they, they just said um we don't care we're gonna keep with the court hidden even if your country is not being represented so yeah um they're based in the us they are and they again they're chosen by the by the president and um we don't have any choice in it so we have a bunch of people uh white folks uh mm-hmm. very powerful folks choosing for us from yeah, us now it's like we could start rounding a troops. you know what That's i'm saying true.
0: yeah <laughs> yeah we need,
2: yeah we need to make this visible and that because we, yeah we're over here just they're puerto ricans organizing themselves over there but they're they're fewer you know mm-hmm. so because and again they're just trying to survive usually as them it's the same as everyone else and not so as everyone else as many of us i'm not everyone um but yeah we need to I, I we need to that's why i always try to speak about promesa because i know many people don't know that we have this on top of us they like they took the money of the retirement of the they took the, the money of of the public employees now they don't have uh, rights to ret- for money to retire like okay so when you retire after 30 years of working for you now you won't have money and you're gonna be impoverished um uh, so and my mom is one example my mom used to my mom she's yeah she she retired as a teacher 30 years of service of deaf children she was one of the few teachers who was who had a, like a special especially specialty of deaf kids and uh, and she just re- she's now with uh, the Medicaid like the government health plan which it doesn't it's, it's not something bad because I used to have it too but like she she used to have this quality this type of life and now she's in, in poverty you know and she's actually has another job because she cannot she couldn't actually retire because they just cut the funds and that could keep on going but they just went crazy with it just to pay mm-hmm. the debt that we don't know what it's actually about. It's mostly corruption. That's our problem with it. Um, it's just mostly um, corruption and corruption on top of corruption.
0: <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that for one, the Gulf states uh, need to help advocate to deal with this board. For two, we need to work together to fix the systemic issues. And three, Puerto Ricans are going to continue building strong community ties to survive. Regardless, that's what I'm hearing.
2: Yes, um, definitely. We 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 need people to understand um, the how deep is colonialism on us, um, and that could be just a whole. I could talk a lot about it and how they actually um, they are actually just. Uh, displacing us because many people are now more people are leaving the country they left a lot a lot lot of people left after maria and then now a lot of people have left again because of economic reasons and they're just trying to take over our beautiful country and our beautiful lands and resources because we are like i mentioned we have lots of water too so yeah and they are just trying That now like my partner and I, many of us, we say that only staying here in this country is an act of resistance. That's how Mm -hmm. hard it is to live over here.
0: It sounds like there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah,
2: that's what it sounds like, Abby. So
0: Nicole, real quick, before we
1: end out the show, we have one question that we like to ask all of our guests. And it's just like, what gives you hope to keep going, to keep fighting in this movement and in this environmental justice
2: movement? What gives you hope? (laughs) Well, uh, hope. Let's see. <laughs> and thank you. That's a good question. Um, I think that our our the way we have transformed ourselves in terms of of being more vulnerable, being more empathetic, being more I can't even say humane. You know. Um, Definitely, that 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 gives me hope because I've seen how we've become again, and, and we had this already, but now it's like again more present. Uh, because as Caribbean people and people that live in a, li- in, a, in, a in islands, like we cannot leave this there's just water around us so we cannot actually leave we have to help each other we're going to jump us from state to state you know uh, so we have no choice but to get together and just help each other um you even see people with a bit who have hoof uh, even even me we've had differences in the past because maybe political reasons or weird reasons and we just stay in the same place and try to work together i mean it's not everyone obviously we're still have lots to do but that gives me hope Definitely the, the my son, the children and the children that we were not even able to have because, again, since impoverishment is so aggressive, uh, many of us only have like one children because we cannot afford to have more children. Um, but the ones that are here that deserve so much better, um, our children deserve so, so much better. So they actually give us hope, too. And definitely um, all the opportunities that through the work I'm starting to do all these opportunities to actually uh, share what's happening here and also learn from what has happened over there and, and see how they actually replicate this to many of our of our locations. And it just gets me rage first. And then it just, give, it just gives me hope because I learned also from y'all. So uh, those those that type of networking has been very, very powerful. And I know more can be done through that. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, like I said, since he said it's an act of resistance to stay in my country, that also gives me hope, you know, <laughs> finding ways to stay here and keep fighting for our, for our, for you know, for our freedom and just to being able to live in this in this beautiful, beautiful small country.